you know, I've seen it happen where guys are getting anxious. They see a heavy smoke condition. They start stretching, and then before you know it, we're in the wrong we're in the wrong spot, and then we have to backtrack and kind of undo everything that we've done. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. When you arrive at a structure fire scene, the seat of the fire is sometimes pretty easy to locate. It's the calls reporting a light haze of smoke that get tricky. The fire could be in any number of places like the wall. And if we're talking about a multifamily dwelling, it's even more confusing. If you try to anticipate and stretch a hose line, you might guess wrong and you'll waste a lot of valuable time. So it pays to find the fire first. Here to discuss how to do that is Danny Sheridan. Danny is a 33-year veteran of the FDNY, where he's a battalion chief. He's a member of the FDNY IMT and a well-known instructor nationally. He's also a lead instructor with Mutual Aid Training Group, which works to train firefighters in Latin America. And Danny Sheridan joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, everybody. When you arrive at a smelled smoke call, what's your usual procedure? The primary task of my, my first function is to locate the fire. and. You know, if the fire is not obvious, you know, vis-a-vis blowing out the windows or we have a very good idea in a store or a taxpayer that, you know, we know where the fire is, it's a no-brainer. Then we could start, you know, going into operation. It's those fires where we get like a smoke condition, but we're just not really sure where it's at. And then we have to put our forces into, you know, locating the fire because we really, you know, we can't do anything until we locate the fire, right? It's, it would be like, think about yourself going into a, a doctor and saying, hey, listen, you know, I got some pain. Okay. <laughs> you know, so where, where's the pain? What kind of pain? Uh, what are the symptoms? And it's the same with a fire. Uh, we can't just, you know, I've seen it happen where guys are getting anxious. They see a heavy smoke condition. They start stretching. And then before you know it, we're in the wrong, we're in the wrong spot. And then we have to backtrack and kind of undo everything that we've done. Have you seen cases where firefighters don't locate anything and they just give up even though there's still smoke, at least a light haze? We've had a rash of top floor fires and actually fires anywhere where we get a a kind of an odor and then it dissipates and then it comes back. And then after probably about five or 10 minutes, the firefighters start becoming like almost desensitized and they don't smell it anymore. And there's a frustration sets in. And I'm actually quite 
to the contrary, I, I'll, uh, I won't take up. I won't let the guys take up until I know exactly what's going on, why we were called, and I want to locate the source, right? So I'll have to say that, no, anything like a real obvious smoke condition, we can't leave it. But there are instances where uh, the odor does dissipate, and guys will they'll give a, a signal. In our, in our fire department, we have a signal for that. It's a, an odor of smoke dissipated. And guys will take up. And I think in you in doing that, you're really rolling the dice. You know, you're taking some big risks. To leave and then have to come back is something that we don't want to be involved in. So what should happen with the first attack line if there's smoke showing but no one's 100% sure where it's coming from? And so what should the guys do with the attack line? What I have them do is I say, hey, guys, listen. I use this phrase, start a line. And bring it to the wherever, the front of the building, or if it's a, uh, let's say, a multi-story building, I'll just say, bring the line to the lobby and have enough hose to get me to at least uh, to the top floor. And so this is not charged, of course. No, it's not charged. And I'll give you, like, what happened, uh, I guess it was about a week or two ago, we had a, we had a report of a fire. It was in a six-story fireproof multiple dwelling and you know I've, I've had some experience with these types of buildings and I uh, I got on the scene and the truck company was up on the fifth floor because that's where the callers were and we had a heavy smoke condition I would say on the fourth fifth and sixth floors the truck companies went up and they're they're looking for the fire and they can't find it and we also see his his little trick here's what you have to do you have to pay attention to what the dispatchers are telling you, right? So in this instance, the dispatchers, one of them just happened to say, we got reports of the elevator on fire, right? We have a report of a fire in an elevator, right? So I focus in on that. Usually, generally, when we come to a fire and it's like in the elevator, it's usually in the lobby. For some reason, when they set these elevators off, you know, they, they want to harass us with rubbish or whatever, it's... It's generally when the fire, when the uh, elevators in the lobby. So I had it in the back of my mind that, uh, you know, there's a possibility that the fire might, might be in the elevator in the lobby. So when my second truck company got on scene, they uh, went right to the elevator. And sure enough, they, they forced the elevator door and the fire came rolling out into the hallway. But the uh, engine company had already stretched up to the fifth floor. They had to bring the line back downstairs and charge a line, and uh, eventually put the fire out. They had to drag it back down. How Yeah. How much more time would it have taken to pull a second line? Was that an option? No, it wasn't, and I'll tell you why. Because it was in a big, huge complex. You know, it's like a multi-building complex, and this building was set very deep into the complex. So by the time I would have had them stretch a second line, it, it just wasn't worth it. It would just been... As it was, I think they were stretching over 10 months of hose, you know? Yeah. So it's it's really, really imperative that the the fire is located before guys start stretching because it's happened it's happened in, on occasions where guys, they want to get ahead of it and they want to be proactive and start stretching the hose line. And uh, next thing you know, the fire is below them or if it's in another building and, you know, now uh, you have to kind of retrace your steps. You know? Right. If, if they guess right, they're heroes, but they're more likely to be wrong. 
Yeah, that's why, uh, you know, that's why the, there really needs to be a coordination between the, uh, in our, see, not every department functions like the FDNY, like, I, and I'll just, instead of using companies, I would say teams, you know, so the search teams, let's say, you should really, like, if you can have it, if you have the, let's say, the ability to to have an atta- uh, search team, it, it, it's almost like to think of it like with the military, where they have recon, you know, recon goes out and and tries to get a, a sense of what's going on. Well, in any fire department, the first units on scene really are just like doing recon and size up. And there needs to be a communication with the attack team. Well, let's divert for a second and talk about that. We did a show a few days ago where we talked about the priorities for an engine crew that's the first one in the building. Do they search or do they do they drag the line to the seat of the fire? And and I'm curious where you stand on that. Can a crew search effectively while they're dragging a hose or do they have to do one or the other? You know, that's a really tough, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blessed in a sense where I don't have to be put in that position because I've got resources to do, um, do both. But if I was resource constricted, and I, you know, I only had to pick one. I, I have to say that unless I was really sure of where the fire was, I wouldn't be dragging holes anywhere. I, I really want to be, I really want to know where that fire is. And I'll tell you, we had a fire a bunch of years ago. It was a simple communication error, right? We had a heavy fire. It was out the windows, right? It was out the windows in the, in the multi-story building. And it seemed like a, a no-brainer. Like, yeah, okay, we know where the fire is, right? What had happened was the truck company went in and located the fire and it was a really a really good fire i mean we had we had a victim on the fire escape that was in really bad shape so it was a a really really good fire and it was as simple as one officer saying to the next he said the fire is down the hallway to the left but it turned out that his left was the other guy's right and vice versa and he started bringing the hose line into the, you know, where he, you know, where he thought he was going the right direction, which would be left. And it was actually, he went in a total opposite direction of the fire. And just to say he nearly had the fire, you know, wrapped around and almost caught those guys. And, you know, nearly, we almost had some uh, serious line of duty that uh, situation, you know, the communication is really critical. And if you have the manpower, great. One team go do the search while the other guys drag the hose into the seat of the fire. But you really have to know what you're doing. You have to know where you're going before you uh, you commit to anything. Because if you're wrong, like in the case of this instance, it could be fatal. Fires inside of walls can be tough to locate. A lot of guys use thermal imaging cameras. What's the easiest way to find the source if you're looking at a large building like Sam Multifamily Dwelling? That's a great question. I actually wrote a lot about this uh, with the thermal imaging camera, okay? Here's what's going on with the thermal imaging cameras. People today are insulating their homes like we've never seen before with this kind of spray insulation. This, you know, they put the uh, hose into the wall and they fill it up with insulation. Now, a thermal imaging camera will not read through the insulation, right? So there's only really one way. You have to go very much old school. What I say is um, you have to search around and put your hand, the back of your hand on the wall. If it's hot, you got to open it up. That's the only way. Or if it's in the ceiling, you have to take a hook and put your hook up and pull the ceilings and 
look for the fire that way because the thermal imaging camera will not will not locate the fire for you. I had a fire. I was a what we call this all hands chief or a kind of a sector or a division chief, and I got to the floor above. It was a fire in a Chinese restaurant that had a lot of ductwork, and I got to the second floor. I saw the officer and I said, "Hey, uh, how's it going up here?" And he goes, "All good, chief." No extension. Not that I was trying to micromanage, or, but I just wanted to kind of do a little double check for myself. And I took a walk to the back of the of the building. And as I passed one of the rooms, I got hit with a blast of heat on my right side. And I kind of diplomatically asked the officer to come over and, and just, I said, do me a favor. Could you open this up? And sure enough, the fire was raging behind the walls. So uh, he didn't pick it up with his thermal imaging camera. But, you know, my instinct told me that there was uh, something going on there, you know. Does this tell you that some guys relied too heavily on the technology and not enough on thinking it through? I'm afraid of uh, that this may be what's happening. I, you know, I don't know firsthand because I haven't really been, uh, say, I've been a chief for now for 11 years. And I spent a, a good portion of my time as a captain on an engine company so i haven't really dealt i i have to be honest with you, i'm not really good when it comes to the to the thermal imaging camera so my experience with the with the tick is is very very limited i i have to go with the way i was taught i was taught you know when you're doing a overhaul or even looking for the fire that old school you know you feel the walls you put your hands uh up right up against the wall and if it feels hot you gotta you gotta take a look you gotta open it up the tick, I don't think will do that. I just don't think you have that same uh, that same true true reading. You have to really feel it. You have to you know you have to get in there and open things up to to really find the fire. You know. Sometimes technology is not the best way to do stuff. The old way works better. I have to agree. I have to agree. I just um, I get very nervous when, like I said, like I've had a few instances now where. I've gotten reports from people telling me that there's no extension, there's no fire, and you know, and the next thing you know, <laughs> fire. There, there it is. Yeah, fire breaks out of a wall or a, a light fixture or something. You know, I would be very, very careful using totally on technology. I would, I would still make a good effort to open up and and just take a good look. Because you know, here's the thing uh, with with searching for fire, right? You'll um. You'll know by the odor, right? There's certain odors that are just just very distinctive, you know, like that. And that odor of, like, wood burning in a concealed space, there's really no other odor like it. I mean, we get odors, uh, you know, for electrical fires or rubbish fires. You know, they get, like, a paper smell or a, a very metallic smell or electrical smell, like the wires burning. But that smell where, uh, you know, where the fire is, like, kind of cooking in the walls or in the ceilings, is very distinct, and if you have that smell, you can't you can't leave. You you have to find the source of it. You know, there's just no there's just no way around it. All right, we'll leave it there, Danny Sheridan. Thanks for being on Code Three today. Uh, you got it. Take care. And we put some more information about locating the fire first on our website at Code3Podcast.com/slash/source. Check it out. Well, on this show, we talked about finding hidden fires before you take action. What tips do you have? And have you ever been in a situation where the fire wasn't where you thought it was? What happened? Let me know. Email me, scott at co3podcast.com.
I'll read some comments on a future show. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.